Hi, this is Pastor Jeff Vines in Los Angeles, California, and all of our staff from all around the world who are involved in Today with Jeff Vines want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Whatever it is, anxiety, fear, worry, whatever it is, the big giant that you're facing in your life right now, never, ever give up. Never give up. Are you telling me that in those times and seasons when it looked that God was not involved, he was really, really involved and knew how everything was going to come to pass? Yes. And for those who remain faithful and true, you will see the blessing and the glory of God. Yes. In his time and in his way. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. The message concluding today is an encouragement to us that when we feel like giving up or when it seems all is lost or hopeless, our King has one more move. God's plan of salvation, as revealed in Luke chapter 1, was one that God's people waited a long time for after God promised Abraham that the world would be blessed through his descendants. Here's Pastor Jeff with more. Your prayer has been heard. Now, you can excuse Zechariah if he said, oh, yeah? Well, when exactly was that? Because we prayed for that in our 20s. We kept praying in our 30s. We continued to pray in our 40s. And just by, you know, a miracle, we prayed in our 50s. But now we're too old. As a matter of fact, the angel says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Do you know that's a common theme in the Bible? God waits till a woman who really, really wants a child till the time that they're thinking there's no way possible now, it's too late, and then gives her a child. That's so like God. It is. There's something about God not wanting to share his glory with anybody. And sometimes it's when we've come to the end of ourselves and really given up total control and we know the only way this can happen is God, that God steps in and delivers. Just the thought. Now, I want you to look at what happens here. The Bible says that this young boy will be born and he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Who is the, boy, who's the baby we're talking about? John who? John the Baptist. And he will go out and what he say? He will say, all of you who have given up, all of you thrown in the towel, all those who thought God would not be faithful, come back, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. John is pre-Christmas, but Christmas is soon coming. The first Christmas is about to arrive. So repent, apologize, say you're sorry for giving up on God, and start to look and watch and wait again because God always fulfills his word, and his promises always become true. 
And then we come in verse 17. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the heart. In other words, he will show people that God is real, if you know the Old Testament story. To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then comes in verse 18, the most diplomatic verse in the Bible. You with me? Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. See, I think Zechariah's saying, wait a minute, I've heard these things get written down somewhere. I'm an old man, but my wife is well along in years. Be careful. In other words, angel, how can this be? It's too late. It's too late. We're too old. Verse 19, the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You telling me that God had a day marked on the calendar when this would all happen? Yes. Are you telling me that in those times and seasons when it looked that God was not involved, he was really, really involved and knew how everything was going to come to pass? Yes. Are you telling me that before the foundations of the world, that God has an appointed time in my life when he knows this, that thing for which I'm praying is going to become a reality? And for those who remain faithful and true, you will see the blessing and the glory of God? Yes. In his time and in his way. Now, here's what happens. Zechariah is in there. He's just spoken with the angel. And the angel gave him a message, which was what? Just for that, just because you didn't believe, you're, going to be, you're not going to be able to speak till this comes true. What do you think about that, Zechariah? Of course, he can't talk back because he can't speak. <laughs> and then the Bible says that while Zechariah is doing all this with the angel, that all these guys in the outer court, hundreds of the priests that are in the outer court, they're waiting for Zechariah, and they're thinking to themselves, dude, what's taking so long? It doesn't take that long. He's been in there forever. Then he comes out, and of course, they come to him, and they say, what happened, and what's the problem? He can't speak. And the Bible says he starts making signs. Now, that means this is the first game of charades. <laughs> I can't, can't you just imagine Zechariah coming out, and he, you know, he's like this, and somebody in the audience started, somebody said, first word. <clears throat> And Zechariah would have done something like, and they said, God. And he said, no, no, no. Angel. Got it. Angel. Second word. Okay. And somebody said, yeah, second word. And he, he goes like this, baby. And somebody would say, angel's going to have a baby. And Zechariah said, no, no, no. And then somebody said, your wife. Oh yeah, your wife's going to have a baby. Verse 23. When the time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, can you imagine the elation that Elizabeth feels? She waits five months and then now, by six months, she's going to be showing, right? And she gets to go down to the temple where she's been the talk and the shame. Don't you know she walks sideways? Don't you know? She wore some kind of t-shirt, probably said, can't touch this or something like that. <laughs> and just the, 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 the way she must have felt about God and the joy and, oh man, the miracle that took place. This is our story. Do we stay or do we go? Do we keep hanging on for a promise that was given a long time ago or do we leave? Do we keep giving and giving or do we start hoarding? Do we keep sacrificing or do we look out for number one? 
Do we keep praying and praying and looking for the blessing even though no answer seems to come? I know that at this point, many of you think you know the application, but I want you to stick with me. In 1950, there was a movie called The Seventh Seal. It was kind of an artsy movie, uh, great symbolism in the movie. And it was centered around this medieval knight who was playing a game of chess with death. And all the metaphors and all the suspense, especially for a 1950s movie. And the idea was if death won the chess match, then the medieval knight would die. So it has all the suspense, twists, and turns, but I don't like the way the movie ended. It ends by death making one final move on the chessboard and then saying to the medieval knight, checkmate, and then the curtain falls, and that's it. Now, Bobby Fischer, one of the greatest chess players, chess minds of all time, saw the movie when he was young. And he was with a friend, and he noticed there was something wrong. So he was able somehow to pause the frame of the last move. And he said to his friend, wait a minute, this game is not over. This is not the end. This is not checkmate. Why is he giving up? And then he made this famous remark, because the king has one more move. The king has one more move. And I heard that, man. I started smiling because Luke records the story of the Christmas story, the pre-story, to remind everybody in the room who's ready to give up, who's ready to move on, that the king always has one more move. Say, but Pastor Jeff, you stood on the stage and you said, real biblical faith is not believing that God will move the way you want him to, but believing in God even when it appears that he's not moving at all. And I still believe that, but don't go too far the other way. Don't take a fatalistic approach. The Bible is clear. When we pray, we can move the hand of God. That according to James 5, 16, that when we pray, that God releases his divine energy into our situation. That when we pray, Jesus said in Luke 11, in a parable that he told, we should be like a pesky neighbor that just keeps walking across the street and saying, I need some food. Just keep knocking, keep going. Pesky, pesky, pesky. Keep going before God. Go before God. Go before God. And the time will come when the blessing of God will come and rain down on you. If you don't give up. What I'm trying to say is, the first Christmas teaches you and me that our faith is not misplaced. Are you with me? That if your kids, you're thinking, are too far gone and there's no way you can recover them. I've got good news. The king has one more move. If your marriage is in disarray and it's not where you think it ought to be and you think it's just beyond recoverability, that it's, it's done, that's it, there's nowhere to go, can't go up, down, around, I've got good news. The king has one more move. You say, Pastor Jeff, my whole life has been a disaster. I've made so many mistakes that there's nowhere I can go. I've got good news. The king has one more move. For those of you who are suffering and you've got a disease and you're trying to fight it and it's trying to steal your body, don't let it steal your soul because the king has one more move. Whatever it is, anxiety, fear, worry, whatever it is, the big giant that you're facing in your life right now, the whole Christmas story is to remind you, never, ever give up. Never give up because the king always has one more move. Are you with me? With God, with God, checkmate never comes. 
Never. And if you'll just keep moving forward, never giving up, never packing it in, never listening to the naysayers, and you will develop a marathon mentality. You know what that is? Have you ever run a marathon? When you get to mile 22, you hit a wall usually. You got four miles to go. The only way you can make it is not by trying to look how far you've yet to go, but just pick a spot about 100 feet in front of you and run to that spot, and then another spot 100 feet and run to that spot until if one day, soon, there you are, you've finished the four miles. Life is not a sprint. That's the problem with the West. The East knows this all too well. Life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And if you're faithful every day in those little things and you continue to trust God and you never give up, if it's your business, if it's your finances, whatever it is, God wants to be involved. God with us, Emmanuel, in every detail of your life. And if you keep moving forward and you don't give up and you keep trusting and you keep praying, the king always has one more move. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. This is Izzy. Izzy's quite a guy. My wife, Robin, told me, she came home one weekend and said, you got to meet this guy. This guy's incredible. So I met Izzy by the water fountain one day, and I, you know, I could say it was by accident, but probably not. I started talking. I got to know about Izzy and his two boys. I got to know about his family. Izzy has cancer. He's fighting for his life. And in fact, doctors will tell you that they're not sure why he's alive right now. But if you were to see and meet and talk to Izzy, and you were to walk up and say, Izzy, how are you? Here's the standard response you're going to get from Izzy. He's going to say, oh, oh I'm blessed, Pastor. I'm blessed. <laughs> On Monday night, we had the prayer meeting. The elders and the staff were all up here, and people were coming forward for prayer. And I looked back, and there Izzy was. Seated back about... <laughs> He's in the exact chair right now. <laughs> I didn't know you were even in this service, Izzy. See, he was right there. He must like that chair. Don't mess with Izzy's chair. Do not mess with it. So Izzy's about right there where he is now. And I, that's funny. That's funny. I walk back. You kind of surprised me. I've seen an angel there. So I walk back to Izzy and I said, uh, Izzy, uh, uh, I want to pray for you. Now, of course, you have to know Izzy. All these people are being prayed for. And he's thinking, well, they've got bigger issues than me. So I'll just stay here. <laughs> so I walk down. I put my arm around Izzy. And I said, Izzy, what, I want to pray for you. How are you doing? He said, well, I'm okay. I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed. And he told me how the doctors didn't really know why he's still walking, why he's still here. And he told me that he does have pain, really bad pain, as he's fighting this disease. But he said, you know, I was going to pray for him about the pain, but he kind of interrupted me. He said, you know, but, but God always reveals himself to me in that pain. And I, I kind of like that closeness that I feel to God in those moments. I thought, man, I don't want to be ashamed of myself. I'm complaining about waiting 12 minutes in a Chick-fil-A line, and my brother here is fighting for his life, and he says, I'm so blessed. I prayed for him, and then he said, you know, I, Pastor Jeff, I'm ready. I'm ready to go meet God. You say, Pastor Jeff, if the king always has one more move, then why is Adriana gone? And why is Frank Pastore fighting for his life? And why is your friend Izzy fighting for his? Don't, don't you see? Because Christmas did come, there's no need to be afraid anymore. No need to fear. Because the king always has one more move. 
even if that move is eternal life. Do you understand that? I just don't want us to give up praying for what the king might do now. So I pray for my brother Izzy every day now because I believe that God could touch him and heal him. But either way, either way, Izzy's going to get healed. Either way. Because the king always has one more move. Do you know Frank Pastore's wife, Gina? Do you know what she said in the interview? She was interviewed by the Christian Post, and she said that the night of Frank Pastore's accident, he said these words on air. He said, friends, if I were to be killed on the freeway tonight, and my body parts are all over the freeway, I'm not on the freeway because I'm my soul, and I would be with the Lord. And Gina, his wife, said, I'm ready. If God's ready and he's going to get his reward before us, before all of us, I'm ready for Frank to go and meet God. I want us to know the king always has one more move, but never give up on the here and now. Never give up on the here and now. Do you hear me? Never, ever give up on the here and now. Know that the king has that great move that's going to occur. But never give up now. Never give up praying and being faithful and doing what you know to do every day of your life because the king always has one more move. Winston Churchill, after the Battle of the Bulge, his advisor said, the British soldiers are braver than the German soldiers. Winston Churchill said, oh, no, they're not. The German soldiers are just as brave as the British soldiers, but the, bra but the British soldiers we're brave five minutes longer. Hang in there. Pray, trust. Be faithful when everybody else leaves because the king always has one more move. Let me finish with this. Stay with me now. My, one of my favorite movies is a movie called The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Great movie. <laughs> it's a story about a young boy in India who has a hotel that is a dump. But he advertises among the wealthy in the West. And five strangers show up in India thinking that they're going to come to a five-star hotel only to ride on a bus packed with people three hours to finally get there and to discover they've arrived at a dump. But for some reason, everything's okay because of this young boy named Sonny who lives his entire life by one code. Once you come into his presence, it's like everything is lifted. And he lives his entire life by this one saying, everything will be all right in the end. So if it's not all right, then it's not the end. <laughs> everything will be all right in the end. So if it's not all right, it must not be the end. That's God. That's God. His promises will always come true. Always. His word will never fail. And whatever you're hurting right now, whatever you're doing, whatever you're facing, please listen. The king always has one more move. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the Christmas story and the way that we can go into it, dissect it, and the way it comes alive, applied to our lives. And especially in this setting, I pray for those who are hurting, for those who are in need, for those who are facing a giant, and they believe that there's no way out, no way around, no way through, that they would never give up faith, 
that they would continue to do what they know to be as right. They continue to lean on you and not on their own understanding. They continue to pursue you at 24-hour intervals, never getting too far ahead to be devastated. But one day at a time, with a marathoner's mentality, they seek you, they find you, and in the right time, in the right place, when the day has come that has been marked on the calendar of their lives since the foundations of the world, everything turns around because the king had one more move. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you if you would, would you stand with me? And please, nobody exiting, but everybody standing, please. Everybody bow their heads. Please, close your eyes. I want you to have the courage right now if you've got something in your life, and that's why it's important for every eye to be closed, every head bowed, nobody looking around. If you have something in your life that you desperately need the king to move, I want you to have the courage to raise your hand so that I can see you. And I want you to keep them raised because I wanna pray a pastor's prayer for you. I'm not gonna come and get you, but I have to see your face. So I'm gonna go around the room right now and I'm looking and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to look through my eyes and to see every face that I see. Father, I first of all acknowledge these are not my people, they're yours. But I have looked into the faces of those who need the King to move. I pray, Father God, that heaven and earth will be moved by a shepherd's prayer that you would move in the lives of those who have the courage to raise their hand, that you'd move in a powerful way, that even now as I'm praying that there would be a certain amount of peace that flows through and over them, that you are in control, that this has not caught you by surprise, that you know what is happening. And because you are God and you stand outside of time and place, you can be involved in every individual life at the same time. I pray that you would move in a powerful way, that the day would not go by until you revealed yourself in a very special way to every person with the courage to say, I need the king to move. And Father, you would bring healing and restoration and redemption. And Father, that you would guide and lead and direct the path of every individual to the finish line, to that place that you've prepared and if today is not the day of healing, that you would show them, Father, that you would comfort them and know that you are leading them to a fixed point in time that has been on your calendar from the foundations of the world, and you are working your perfect plan in and through them, and they can continue to have faith and trust that you are involved more than they could ever imagine in their lives. I pray for every, every face that the Holy Spirit has looked into their eyes, has heard their cry, and that you would move in a powerful way. I pray this pastor's prayer for your people. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts.
Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Vines from Los Angeles, California. Can I tell you that this Christmas is going to mean something very special to me? Even those of us who preach the gospel often and spend a lot of our days in the Word of God, as you grow and mature in your faith, you start to see things perhaps you've never seen before, and this is one of those years. And the reason is because I have a granddaughter now. And I've learned something about the love of God. You know, the Bible tells us that if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more then can God give good gifts to those who love Him? I thought I had understood this until I had a granddaughter. This Christmas is going to mean a lot to me because I feel like I've regained the wonder. My little granddaughter came into this world. Her name is Ada, totally dependent upon her parents to bathe her, to clothe her. In fact, when my daughter-in-law, Jessica, was pregnant with Ada, I remembered how much a child depends on the parent. But the other thing is when little Ada grows up now, she's almost three years old, she walks into a room totally confident that everybody's interested in everything she has to say. Whether intelligent, non-intelligent, everyone's interested. And it reminded me that Jesus actually said that unless you become a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, as children, Christmas holds so much wonder because God himself holds so much wonder. And sometimes we lose the wonder of Christmas because we lose the wonder of God. Jesus is trying to help us understand that God loves us. If we can love our grandchildren the way we love our grandchildren, how much more then can God love us? And I'm reminded of how dependent I am on God, really dependent, that anytime I take confidence in my self-righteousness, it's only a day or two when I realize that every time I take two steps forward, I seem to take three steps back. I need forgiveness every day of my life. I need grace. But the other thing is, if you don't understand how much you depend on God, then quite frankly, you won't depend on God for every moment of your life. When you start to somehow in the course of life devalue the love of God. That is, that Jesus is actually interested in every thought you have. Every time you walk into a room, he wants to know what you're thinking. He cares about every event of your life. See, if you have too low a view of Jesus, you can't approach him childlike. And if you have too high a view of yourself, you can't approach him as a child approaches the parent. I've understood perhaps for the first time, if God loves me, like I love my little granddaughter, Ada, who will often ignore me, (laughs) but I still love her, who will often go throughout her day without thinking of me, but I still love her, and who will often do things to manipulate me, and yet I still love her. If I, though being evil, can love my granddaughter, how much more can God love me? And that reminds me the wonder of Christmas has to do a lot with the wonder of God that in my humanity, Although sometimes I ignore God, although sometimes I show no interest, although sometimes I become self-serving, self-aggrandizing, downright narcissistic, God never stops loving me. And quite frankly, I'm amazed at that. I hope that you will regain the wonder of Christmas as you regain the wonder of God and how much He loves you. It is immeasurable. Merry Christmas, everybody.